It's good to be back with you after being gone for a couple of weeks and uh, appreciate you all letting me have some vacation time. Even if I do injure myself along the way, I'm glad to be back uh, with you. And uh, I thank Alan for that that song, Our God Reigns. I know that song. It seems it was newer for us, and I appreciate you leading that. As my kids say, I was looking at the date on there. It was written in the 1900s is what they say, so it wasn't really very new at all. Uh, <laughs> it's 50 years old. Uh, it's sad to say that something in the 1970s was 50 years old, but there you go. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, really glad to be back with you and... We have been spending our time uh, through this year, uh, each month talking about various places, how we can find hope uh, in terms of the difficulties in, in life that we experience. We've talked about having hope in suffering and loss. We've talked about having hope when we are alone. We've talked about having hope when we are tempted, hope when we fail. Uh, and, and this morning, we're going to talk about having hope when we are anxious But I want to focus on a particular aspect of anxiety uh, as we've looked at over the past few months in this uh, series this year, this theme this year. We've talked about how to handle anxiety when suffering and when failing and when tempted. But there is another area of anxiety that, that arises based on life circumstances. Jesus said it like this in Matthew Chapter 6 and verse 24, he said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And sometimes I have a tendency to stop the reading right there, but notice the next line is, Therefore, don't be anxious. It is interesting to consider that an awful lot of anxiety comes from wealth and riches and possessions. And if I can just say stuff. <laughs> and Jesus understood that. As he spoke, he said, understand you're only going to be devoted to one or the other. You can't serve both. But I don't want you to be anxious. And notice what he says, I don't want you to be anxious about. I don't want you to be anxious about what you're going to eat. I don't want you to be anxious about what you're going to drink. I don't want you to be anxious about what you're going to wear. Could I just sum that up and say, God says, don't be anxious about physical stuff, physical things. I don't want you to be anxious about those kinds of things, what you will put on. Life's more than those things. And so where I want to draw our attention this morning is where it was just read for us is over in James chapter 5. Because there in James chapter 5, you have James talking to Christians about their riches. And as we look at what James says, I think he gives some very helpful instructions about what we should be doing as we perceive life, as we look at life in a proper lens so that we will truly put our hope in God and not on physical things, which is such an easy temptation to do. We see it, we touch it, we have it, we lose it. That causes anxiety. And so how are we supposed to overcome that? How can we have hope when anxious about things in life? You'll notice in James chapter 5 that what we're going to do as we talk about this is we're going to see James give a number of things that if you just kind of 
settle in on each statement, you will notice that James is really being very powerful and he talks about really the foolishness of devoting ourselves or being anxious for or caring for possessions and physical things. And and as he gives this warning, I think it's important for our consideration that you see this, this issue of wealth. In these first six verses, as was just read for us, he talks about the rich and, and all of that, that wealth that they have. Why do you see in the scriptures, Jesus and James and so many of the writers concerning themselves about wealth? You can think about the Apostle Paul in First Timothy 6. He also talks about it there. And I think one of the things that's important for our consideration is that Money, wealth, possessions is perhaps one of the top competitors for our hearts. It really becomes one of the top competitors for our hearts. And and so often we don't realize it, that we can think that, well, if I have more money, I'm going to be happier. The more things that I have, then that's going to give me more satisfaction. In fact, I'd like to ask you a question that you would hopefully challenge yourself with an answer honestly within yourself. How much more money would it take for you to be happy? How much more? (laughs) I love you. (laughs) A billion. (laughs) What would you really? (laughs) Your answer is exactly right though. What always we do is we always say it's more than what I have. That's always the answer. If you were to ask that question 10, 20, 30, depending on how many years old you are years ago, how much money would you say? It's probably a lower number. And then what we do is we move up and it just keeps getting more and more and more. You say, well, if I had a million, if I had a million, then if I had a billion, and then if I had a billion, it'd need to be a trillion. And, and where it's always more. How much more money is it going to take? Well, it's always something that we don't have in the present. And so notice what James says in James chapter five and verse one. He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Let's think about that for a minute. Here are these Christians and they have all of this wealth. They have all this stuff. They have all these possessions, you rich. And notice what he says. I want you to see that misery is still coming on you. (laughs) Sometimes what we have the tendency to think is that if I had enough wealth, if I had enough stuff, that would keep me from having future problems. That'll keep me from future suffering. It'll keep me from future difficulty. And now that we live in 2021, we can blow that idea to shreds, right? That it doesn't matter what you had. Did that keep you from any of the troubles of 2020? You know, you sat back in all your wealth and you went, well, I'm just completely unaffected by this whole pandemic as it all went down. And uh, all you poor people, ha ha on you, but I'm, I'm rich. And so I've got no suffering and no problems. Mm, no, <laughs> no. One of the things you see James saying is in terms of the foolishness of wealth is that wealth doesn't protect you from suffering, problems, pandemics, all kinds of distresses. It's not going to keep you from trouble. Sometimes we can think that, though. 
I just had enough, it would keep me from difficulties. It would keep me from problems. And think about that in your life. Obviously, once you had more money, you never had any more problems, right? After you got that raise and made more money, all your problems were solved. You never had another issue again. That's what James is saying in this opening is, Weep and howl, you rich, because miseries are coming on you. You're still having troubles. You're still having suffering. You're still going to have more difficulties ahead of you. It's not insulating you from anything. So why be anxious about it? Why seek after it when it's not going to protect you? It's not going to be the thing to keep you from future difficulties. It's not going to keep you out of trouble. It's not going to keep you from suffering. It's not going to be the answer to cause the avoidance of future issues. I think it is so interesting that the way he says it there in verse one, he says that these miseries are coming upon you. Miseries are still coming. You still got more problems. I don't care how much money you have, how many possessions you have, how much wealth you have. More miseries are coming upon you. I'm sorry to break it to you. But more troubles. There's always going to be suffering. There's always going to be troubles. We'll talk about why in a few minutes. But James just lays it out there and says, you think that's going to to help you? It's not going to help you. In fact, notice what he says in verse 2. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Not only does he observe that it's not going to save you or help you in the future, it's not even going to help you right now. Notice he tells them, he says, here you are accumulating and gathering all of these things. He says, you have riches and garments, silver and gold. And he just observes that they are rotted, moth-eaten and corroded. I think this is an interesting aspect about wealth. Did having money help you through COVID? You found toilet paper faster than everybody else because of all your wealth. (laughs) No, it didn't matter how much you had. We all stood in the grocery store and went, whoa, what happened? Where'd all the food go? Where'd everything go? It didn't matter if you had all that wealth or you could stash it in banks and in pockets. It didn't carry you through the difficulty. It wasn't going to solve the problem. And yet so often I think that we have the tendency to think that if I could just accumulate so much, If I just had more things, then that's going to be my savior. That's going to deliver me. That's the thing that's going to help me. But you'll notice in verses two and three, what he describes is that all of their excess has gone to waste. And this is something that God likes to do. God likes to do that, is that as you put your trust in stuff, he makes it all go to waste. Now, I definitely won't have anybody raise their hands for this. Have you ever gone into your closet or you've gone into your garage and you found something that you bought, still the tag on it or never used brand new, and you didn't even know it was there? 
He just like stumbled across it a few years later and went, oh yeah, I bought that. And there it's just sitting there. And now it's in terrible condition, of course, because it's now been rotting away. It's been, been wasting away there. It's not there anymore. It's interesting how God has the tendency to do that. You remember how God did that with the people of Israel? If you went out and gathered more manna than sufficient for the day, what happened to the excess? God just let that rot. And you go grab all that quail and just let it all rot. God has a tendency to want to show us something about how we perceive things is that we think we just need all of this excess. We're going to accumulate. We're going to store it up. We're going to have for the, for the problems arise. And, and here you have this picture of him saying, what is the good in that? He says, you've got your silver and your gold and they're corroded. You've got riches that are rotted, garments that are moth-eaten. In essence, what good did it do for you to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate? Where did that get you? How'd that help? Or think about last year. How, how'd all your accumulation do for you? Got, sailed you right through. Everybody else was suffering. You were just fine. See, it doesn't help. It doesn't save In fact, what he's telling us is that our accumulation so often turns to waste. One of the things that it's hard for us in our society is because our culture tells us, it commends us, it normalizes the idea of accumulating. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. More money, more stuff, more things. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Uh, That's what our our culture is all about. Get as much as you can. And yet what good is having things that can't be used? What good is having possessions that are rotting away for lack of use? What good are possessions that we can't even find? That's what James is observing here. You've got all this stuff. And he says it's actually an indictment against you. You've got all these things and it's wasting away. You ever notice that time doesn't ever improve our possessions? There's not a single thing that we have. Well, that got better with time. With the heat of the Florida sun, that just made that a whole lot better. No, it's breaking down. It's wasting away. And you put all of your effort and all of your time into the accumulation of all of these possessions. And yet nothing of those things is helping you. Having excess isn't helping you through your troubles. You don't even know where they are. You can't even find them. The closet's falling down. The garage is shooting out the side. And for what good? That's what James is observing here. He's saying, do you see the folly of putting your hope and trust in the accumulation of wealth? Having a lot is not going to help in times of trouble. In our times of suffering and difficulty, What good does it do to have the stuff you have? And so James is asking us to just be contemplative about those things. That here we are in a very prosperous country. We're able to accumulate and store and have. And he's observing and saying, do you think about what that looks like in our lives? Are we putting our hope in those things as if they're going to insulate us from future difficulties or carry us through our present difficulties? They're not. They're not helping at all. They're sitting there wasting away, corroding, wearing out, rotting, and they're not going to solve your problems. 
In fact, you could potentially argue they increase the problems. Just what you see in verses four and five, where he says, behold, the wages of the labor who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. This is such an interesting thing that he tells us right here. Here he says in verse four, the wages of the labor who mowed your fields, which you've kept back by fraud are crying out to you. Just slow down and think about that idea for a minute. So here are these rich people. And he says, you've got all this stuff and your garments are all rotting away. You have so much, you have so much silver and gold that it's all corroding. You've got stuff coming out your ears. and You don't even know what to do with it all. And yet... You are still defrauding other people. Have thought about that? He says, you've got gold and silver that you can't even use it. It's rotting away. And yet the laborer who's out there working for you, you won't even pay him properly. You're holding back on him. Have you ever thought about why that person would do that? Well, there's an important reality. Wealth doesn't satisfy Wealth just simply does not satisfy. And here's the interesting thing. God made it that way. God made it so that as you get more money, more stuff, more possessions, that you would never sit back and go, oh, I'm satisfied. Now, I'll grant you, you might get it for a minute, but then give it time. I've always liked using the illustration of my car. You know, that you first get, you get your car and you... Park it five miles from the Walmart so that you can keep it all nice and pristine until somebody finally dings it. And now you're fine parking it between two jalopies because it doesn't satisfy anymore. In the beginning, it was, you know, so important to you. But it really doesn't give the lasting satisfaction. It did for the moment. It seemed like the thing. But then something newer, something faster, something brighter, something better always comes along. And time does a number on your possession and it makes it slower and it makes it uglier and older and not as neat. And it was so cool in the beginning, but now it's really not. Wealth never satisfies and God made it that way. Listen to what God says about this. Here is, here is the writer of Ecclesiastes. Here is a somebody who says, I planted vineyards, I built houses, I amassed silver and gold. He says, I had the treasure of kings and provinces that surpassed all before him. And yet listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes 2.10. All that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. If he wanted to buy it, he bought it. If he wanted to have it, he got it. He wanted... Trees, plants, stuff, possessions. It was his. I didn't deny it. If I want it, I got it. I did not refuse myself any pleasure for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. He says, if there was something to have, I have it. If I could buy it, I bought it. I could possess it. And at the end of the day, it didn't provide any more satisfaction. I asked you earlier, so how much more money would you need to be happy? Are we ever going to get to that one? Where he says, 
I had houses, vineyards, and gold and silver and the treasure of kings and provinces that amassed all who were before me. Such to the point that he had so much that there was no, he didn't have to say, no, I can't afford that. He just bought it. Whatever it was, he had it. And then he had it and he said, meh. The same thing you have after you've had something for a few months. <laughs> same thing. Eh, okay. Listen to what he says a little bit later. The one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. No, just stop. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Well, maybe him, but not me, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, not me. I would be satisfied with a billion dollars. Maybe. I'll get to that. <laughs> it's, I, one who loves money, will never be satisfied with money. The one who loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. This also is futile. Listen to this. When someone's prosperity increases, those who consume it also increase. So what does its owner gain except that he gets to see it with his eyes? If I could sum that up, I'll say it like this. Many, many years ago, there was a dispute in the National Basketball Association, Pro Basketball League. NBA versus the Players Association. The players wanted a bigger cut of the pie. The NBA was saying, no, you already get paid millions. And so players went on strike. They weren't going to play anymore. One of the famous basketball players in the 90s, Patrick Ewing, he was representing the players and they asked him, why are you quibbling over millions of dollars? You already get paid millions. Do you really need to fight for millions more? His answer was this. We get paid a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money. That was the defense. As funny as that is, that's what he just said. <laughs> Think about your own life. Is that true? The more you make, the more you spend. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's easy to mock the millionaires and billionaires and go, oh, they should be satisfied with that. But guess what? It's the same heart within all of us. We just spend more and more and more because wealth never satisfies. So the more you have, the more you spend, the more it disappears. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes said in chapter 5. You accumulate all that stuff and you're just going to watch more and more people take it out of your pockets. It's just going to be gone. It's going to be gone, be gone. And God made it that way. And I think what's important for us to think about in terms of that is when we realize that God made wealth that way, that he made it so that we'll never be satisfied. We should be able to see that in other people. We read in the news about athletes who make millions and billions and CEOs who make billions and millions. Did that keep them from future troubles? Is it helping them in their present distress? Is it satisfying them? We sometimes have this vision in our mind is that, well, all my anxieties and all of my problems will all disappear if I could be up there at that level. No, it won't. No, it won't won't change anything. And I want you to see that James shows us there's ultimately two ways in trusting wealth. Did you notice that? 
Notice the first picture was in verses 2 and 3. What are they doing with their riches? Accumulating. Or what are they doing with their riches? Verses 4 and 5, consuming. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to get this and you're just going to hoard it. And it's all going to go to waste and all go, go to rot. We can all look in our closets and feel ashamed. Or we're going to spend it. The more you make, the more you spend. And we can probably all agree with that truth in our lives as well. James is trying to get us to wake up to something that is absolutely chilling. Did you see it there in verse 5? You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. Just stop and let that one run over you a minute. With all your riches and all your wealth and all your stuff and all of your possessions. Is this true? James says what you've done is that you've lived your life with a goal of luxury and a purpose of self-indulgence. I just want to be comfortable and have luxury and I want to just do whatever my heart desires. Listen to how he ends that in verse 5. You have fattened your hearts for the day of slaughter. This is, to me, just a chilling conclusion to this talk about wealth and stuff. Where he warns us that we're going to be accountable for our perspective of wealth, how we use our wealth, what our purpose is behind it. And so often what we can do is put our hope in those things. Put our hope either in the accumulation or put our hope in the ability to consume it. And he just gives a a chilling warning here. If you've prepared yourself for judgment, if you've put your hope in stuff and in wealth and being able to spend or being able to accumulate, he says there's going to be a judgment for that. You've fattened yourselves for the slaughter. You've lived in luxury and self-indulgence. So let's talk about how we can overcome this and talk about having hope when anxious because God understands that we become anxious when it comes to stuff and possessions and wealth. He understands that those are going to be temptations for us. And I think it's important to just begin with this key point that we would accept this truth that God is blaring to us again and again. Wealth isn't going to solve those anxieties. It's just not going to do it. And God's trying to just get that into our minds again and again. And you have experienced it. Your wealth doesn't keep you from future troubles. It doesn't help you in your present troubles. And you know it doesn't satisfy because you've tried. We've all tried. We've all tried. All of us have tried. This is going to be the thing and I'll never have to buy another. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I know. This is it. This is not never, never. No, no. We like to delude ourselves into thinking that this is, this is going to be the thing that finally gives me true joy and happiness and lasting satisfaction. And it's important for us to be honest with ourselves that we just see that that's not true. If we're accumulating, it's just going to waste. And if we're spending, it's just leading to more spending. It's not satisfying. You have nothing in your hands at the end of the day. 
except either more stuff that you can't use. I mean, guys, how much stuff can we really use? I think about that like with clothes, like how long would it take to just like cycle through it all? (laughs) You know, how much stuff do we need? And how much hope do we put in the having of things? And how much hope do we put into the spending of things? What I think that you have James trying to show us is that when we have anxiety about possessions and about wealth and about stuff, that's a warning about idols in our heart. And I made that observation when when COVID started. And if you remember, I made the point and I said there was something so unusual about going to the store and not being able to get what you want and think you need. We're not used to that. We're not used to that at all. And I think it was such a important time to challenge our hope and faith. Do we really believe that God will provide what we need or not? Do we really believe that God will carry us through whatever difficulty? Or do I need to store up and take care of myself through the difficulty? Now, we just agreed you storing up isn't going to help you in the difficulty. But what we do in our mind is think that's how I'm going to survive this. If I have more money and more stuff and more things, that's what's going to be the help. But see, here's God saying, I don't want you to do that. What I want you to do is so that when your money and when your possessions and when all of your stuff no longer satisfy, they let you down to look to God who is the giver of those things. That's why God made stuff do that. And so that you wouldn't hope in wealth and health and stuff and things. Don't put your hope in that. Put your hope in God who provides those things. So when those things fail, it's supposed to be really a wake up call to us, a reminder to us. Every time money lets us down, it's a moment to step back and pray to God because he is the one who does not let us down. Every time our possessions let us down, it's that moment in time to turn to God and say, God, you're the one that doesn't let me down. I'm the type of person that hates it when things break. I don't know why that is. It's troubling to me. If something breaks, I've got to fix it. Otherwise, it'll just drive me nuts. I just, it's got to work right. It's interesting that God made things break. <laughs> so that you won't trust in it. Our cars are getting old. They don't feel old, but they're getting old. And they're breaking. That's aggravating. And so I can freak out about my cars and go, they're breaking, they're 10 years old and they're getting breaking. Everything's wearing down, everything's falling apart on them. Or I can trust God to figure it out for me. So often what we have the tendency to do is grab onto our stuff and say, that's going to be the way to get through anxiety. That's going to be my hope. And God wants us to turn to him. Friends, please hear. 
You are not okay because you have stuff. You are okay because God loves you and cares for his people. That's why you're okay. You're not okay because you have a place to live and a pile of stuff and a pile of money and a great job and great health. And that could all be vanquished in just an instant. You're okay because God loves you and God is with you and he cares for his people. That's our hope. That's how we overcome anxiety when we lose the blessings that God has given to us. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He said to instruct those who are rich in this present age to not be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. We're all rich in this age. He says, I want you to instruct them. Remind them, don't put your hope on your job. Don't put your hope in what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. And don't put your hope in the accumulation of possessions. Don't put your hope in your health and all those kinds of things, the physical things that we latch on to. Don't put your hope on that. He says there, put your hope on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Is that amazing? God says, here's how I want you to look at your life and look at your money and look at your job and look at your stuff and look at your health. I gave all that to you so that you can enjoy it. I want you to enjoy it. I gave it to you. But don't put your hope in it. Don't get anxious about it. Put your hope in God. Can you imagine with your children, provide for your children, and they just start freaking out about, oh, I don't know if we're going to eat tomorrow. <laughs> Grace likes to do this with us. She can't help it. She can't help it with her condition, but she's constantly doing to us. I don't know if we're going to be able to have enough for breakfast. We're going to make sure you have all you need. You're going to be just fine. You imagine coming before God and saying, God, I just don't think you're going to take care of me. You're not going to give me what I need. You're not going to care for me, even though you've done it in the past. Final question. If your money, if your wealth and possessions could talk to you, What would they tell you? Does your money reveal that you're putting your hope and your trust in wealth? Or does your money reveal that you're putting your hope and trust in God who provides all things to enjoy? What does your money reveal to you? What would it say back to you? Are you hoping in it? Does it make you anxious? Does it cause you discouragement? Does it cause you to be dissatisfied and out of sorts? Or do you look at it in a proper light and say, God's allowed this as a great blessing for me to enjoy. And I'll thank God for all that I have. Final statement. Wealth is a terrible savior. Wealth is a terrible savior. 
is not going to satisfy. It's not going to help. It's not going to save. God made money to be unable to save you so that you would look to him as your rescuer and your helper. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so easily tempted to put our trust in our abilities and in our financial numbers and in our wealth and in our stuff. Lord, we so easily feel comfort because of what we own. And God, forgive us for all of the times that we have put our hope in possessions and wealth. Forgive us for when our hope is not in you, but in this world. Forgive us for how often we only feel settled and only feel secure because we have things. And Lord, I pray that you would pry open our hearts today. And show us the the folly of trusting in wealth. Help us to see if we have idols that are about luxury and self-indulgence within us. And Lord, pry open our hearts and remind us that you are a gracious God who gives us all that we need. And you give it to us abundantly. Forgive us for how often we forget it. And Lord, we praise you for the amount of rich blessings that you certainly give to us. And Lord, we know that all these things come from you. And Lord, we pray that we would always use our abilities, our health and our wealth for your glory, for your kingdom and for your name rather than our own. And so, Lord, forgive us. And give us the strength to be beyond anxiety in this life. But to see you through our difficulties and through our struggles as the one who truly helps and truly delivers us through our challenges. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song in a moment. It's our invitation for you to come to Jesus, to set aside the cares and anxieties of what this life gives and to listen to what... God is trying to tell us about the emptiness of this life and the emptiness of wealth. It is interesting that God made life like this. He made life so that all pursuits outside of him end up in in essence futile. The writer of Ecclesiastes, the whole book, he just says, you know, I tried it all. I had it all. I did it all. And without God, what's the point? And that's what James is trying to say. Why would we put our hope in those things? Your hope is in God and in God alone. Can we help you come to him this very morning? Turn away from your sins. Believe in Jesus as the son of God who died for your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And begin a journey of faith and following him with all of your heart. We help you in any way. Won't you come now while we stand and while we sing?